leaving college is a big change for everyone. I think no one really knows what to expect. You have to be careful getting yourself into a mental trap just because I'm doing a job today that I have somehow defined my entire path to the future. When they have a hundred pictures in a room after and they're all talking, they will fight for you over anyone. Taking that insatiable appetite and tying it with what you're really good with. Did you want to be a CEO when you were a kid or did that kind of just happen? It never occurred to me to be a CEO when I was a kid. If a student could articulate that, employers may pass out. Welcome back to Practical Passionate. We have Christy Simmons here to talk with you about how she broke into the NFL and the NBA, working for teams like the Detroit Pistons and Lions, the Washington Redskins, and the Golden State Warriors. Not as a football player, but as a young professional. She's overcome incredible odds. Getting to Michigan State was an accomplishment in and of itself, which we'll let her talk about. She got her opportunities in a unique way, a way that any of you could apply to achieve your own ambitions. So here's our conversation with Christy Simmons. So Christy, thanks so much for coming on to talk to our listeners today. First, we know the beginning of your college journey was an accomplishment in itself. Do you mind starting us off with how you got into university? Growing up, neither of my parents went to college, and I always knew that I wanted to go to Michigan State. It was a huge dream of mine. In high school, I was actually denied, said that I need to get my ACT scores up. And I took the ACT six times, and I still kept getting a 21. I called the admissions office every Monday, and I was writing letters to their dean, just saying, please let me in. Like, I'll work really hard. I can't get my test scores up. Two weeks before college started, I got a call directly to my cell phone from the dean of admissions saying that he liked my persistence and that they were going to admit me for the fall class of 15. Politely relentless. I love it. (laughs) Like I said, it's it's the first time I'm I'm hearing that story and I'm pretty taken aback with having both your parents not having attended, you know, a secondary form of education. And so Mm -hmm. why didn't the big dollar signs of a career like investment banking stand out as something so lucrative? but you chose to kind of go into the sports industry, which is kind of known for not kind of dishing out the big bucks. Yeah, so I actually found out my passion for sports in high school when I had a really bad head injury, and my doctor said I could no longer do contact sports and really was like, just don't do sports in general. So I started working for my high school athletic director, and I loved it. I loved the energy. I loved just the ups and the downs. and everything that comes with sports and how it was always different. So going into college, I was like, even if I don't start out making a lot of money, this is what I want to do. And I found that passion right away and was like, you know, I'm just going to make this work and try to work my way up as fast as I can. So everything was new to you, right? Like this is the, you know, you're, you're the first Simmon <laughs> out of the, the immediate <laughs> sort of family to, to get in there and go to college. So like, how did you spend your time in college? Like, what did you read? What did you kind of absorb? Mm -hmm. So freshman year, I joined Females of Athletic Business, which is called FAB. It was actually uh, started at Michigan State. And then I joined the Association of Women in Sports called AWSM. And both just offered, we met once a week for both clubs and both just had a really good support system. And I try to read at least once every two or three months a, like a sports related book. The one I just finished finished was Shoe Dog, and that's the memoir of Phil Knight, the owner of Nike, trying to keep myself up to date on what was always going on in the industry to really just keep up with my coworkers and the discussions and to stay educated on the industry itself. 
So you spent time then focusing on emerging yourself into the industry here. What was your GPA? My GPA, well, my high school GPA was a 3.2 and my college GPA right now is a 3.1. So I definitely, I spent around 40 to 50 hours working my freshman year and grades were probably my lowest priority. It was more so getting the volunteering and getting work done because I'm also paying my way through college. Okay, yeah. No, we've noticed that with a couple of people we've we've had conversations with that are doing incredible things and, and they've all talked about how they focused on the experience part of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be a trend there. So I, I like that. <laughs> I think Alex might have mentioned this to me about something about a special folder that you keep on your computer. I mean, kind of mind filling me in the loop as well as our listeners about what that folder <laughs> is and, and like what you know yeah. what it means to you. That is my reject folder. On my email account, I have a folder that is all my reject emails that I've gotten from internship applications, job applications, uh, informational interview requests. That's just every time that I've been rejected. And I kind of keep it there. It's pretty thick, but uh, I just kind of keep it there as a reminder that, you know, just of resiliency and no matter how many times, like you're going to get rejected so many times, especially in the sports industry. But really, it's like any job hunt or in anything that you do, like it's inevitable to have failure. And so it's just something that kind of reminds me to keep going and that even if you get 100 no's, someone's going to say yes. So it's easy to realize that after you start getting those yeses. For, but for those people out there that are still getting those no's, how did you approach that? you know, that, that rejection when you're sitting alone, you just got denied. What goes through like mm-hmm. what goes through your head that isn't going through other people's heads? I'm more, when I get rejected, it more fuels me to work harder. And I think of, okay, well, I didn't get this now, but what did, what does the person have um, that did get it? And how can I get there? How can I match that level? So something I did, especially with sports my freshman year, I couldn't get a big internship locally, so I started volunteering and just going to different uh, networking events and doing things that weren't necessarily like an application-based, where like anyone can volunteer, anyone can go to networking events, and I was setting up a lot of informational interviews, so that was something to kind of keep me still like going to the clubs and keep me interested and not wanting to give up. So that's something that definitely helped fuel me. And then I I always try to listen to or look up like motivational quotes and listen to podcasts as well and just kind of learn from that and how to keep trying because I knew that that's something I always wanted was to work for an NFL team. Something you spoke on there was reaching out to people who did get the position. Uh-huh. How, how did you reach out to those people and learn like what they did that you could replicate? Like, was it through LinkedIn? Yeah. Was it email? Like, what'd you do? Uh huh. So actually, I would anytime I would get a reject email, I would reach out to the HR director and I would find their email or I would call and ask and say, hi, is there any way I can get the contact of HR? And I would subject it like feedback from my application and I would ask how my resume stood out in the pool and if there is anything that they would recommend. Nine times out of 10, they are more than happy to get back to you. And most times they're so taken back by that because not many people want to hear what they did wrong. But that's probably been one of the most helpful things to me. 
So example of resiliency here and speaking of kind of climbing and picking yourself out of a hole um, for myself personally, I'm kind of going through this as well uh, in the topic of student debt. And I know that's something mm -hmm. that you're kind of familiar with. You alluded to it earlier. How have you overcome the stresses that it causes in your life? <laughs> I'm still stressed out. I'm about to graduate and that's definitely really overwhelming, but I've applied for so many scholarships and done a lot of the little essay-based scholarships, they add up. And that's something I did in high school. I actually ended up having $13,000 funded of my freshman year completely by scholarships. And I think it was like 15 different ones total that no one else had applied for. So I would say scholarships have helped me with the student debt. Just, uh, I started making a budget and that's something so I put aside money each month to start paying off my interest. But, you know, I'm still pretty stressed out about it, especially because I'm going to have to start paying those bills uh, even more in six months after I graduate. But definitely just putting aside money and learning how to budget has been something that has been helpful for me. Yeah, so we actually, we've... Um we, we all college debt is obviously an issue. So, I mean, no promises to see how it comes, but we reached out to the Ellen show to see if she could pay, pay your debt. Cause we, we, uh, we told her your story. Um, so we'll see, hopefully that gets a return, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that That's goes. Awesome. But, um, it, it sounds like you've been very smart in, in terms of being aware of the fact that you got to give up, up sacrifice some now to uh -huh. reap that reward later. So, um, mm -hmm. good luck with that stress and, and hopefully Ellen picks up on this. Oh, wow. Thank you. You know, talking about finding different avenues of accounting, you mentioned budgeting as well. Just to take that sort of principle along with just the sports industry in general. Uh, I know uh -huh. initially when I uh, had somewhat of an interest in wanting to go through with it, the role of an inside sales representative w represented a large portion of young professionals that are trying to uh -huh. get industry so for a lot of our listeners that are interested i mean is it kind of realistically an unspoken rule that you must become an inside sales representative before moving on to other areas of business within sports so i would say that inside sales is definitely um a highly talked about position if you want to get in to sports everyone will be like oh just get a sales position they're always looking they're always hiring and then network your way around and that's definitely a good way to go there's also alternatives um, if you start maybe you graduate and I know it's not the glamour job but if you want to take a, an internship in the department that you want and then hopefully they extend that into a full-time offer or they know someone who can get you into a full-time offer but sales is definitely a big uh, starting point for a lot of people, but it's also a field that is applicable to every department, and you can take those skills from every department. Um, that's something that I've had a lot of people tell me, like, you know, just go into sales with the team that you want or the location that you want and then move around, and that's something that I've been considering with myself, too, for my future. Do you happen to have any other just last-minute hacks for getting into this industry when I was 18, I wrote a letter, a handwritten letter to the marketing VP of every NFL team. And three months passed and I heard back from one person. Her name was LaRonda. She is my mentor now and great woman. But she called me and said, hi, like you're 18. You have hardly any experience, but I, it, it stood out to me that you wrote a handwritten letter. 
that's something that I've, you know, a lot of talks and in my clubs, everyone says do a handwritten letter, especially really competitive internships, because that shows them that you're willing to put in that extra effort. So that's one piece of advice I would give. And then another piece of advice I would give for the sports industry is just to put yourself out there. And there's going to be a lot of applicants for really basic level jobs that wouldn't necessarily be as competitive if it wasn't for like a big team. So you have to have something that sets you apart. You need to do something or maybe send um, an example is when I wanted to volunteer for the NFL draft and I wanted to get a leadership position. So I went on InDesign and Photoshop and I made an NFL draft card of my resume. So I sent my resume and then like a mock-up uh, card. So I would say just doing, getting creative and putting yourself out there and don't be afraid to ask people for advice. I love the creativity. Uh, another, <laughs> another fellow we talked to earlier on, Stuart Meese, talked about how he had put his resume all over a basketball. So I guess that's in line with that. But the creativity of breaking into the sports market, I, I love the, I guess if you know, mm-hmm. if that's what you're doing, you got to be creative. So one last thing that Rashad and I absolutely want to uh, ask, and you got to know this was coming. What are those cool experiences you've been able to have? I'm sure you've been sitting courtside. Let us in on mm-hmm. what it's like to be in this industry. It's honestly incredible, especially working in public relations because you're on the end. You know, you know things before the media does, and that's something that I really love the status of it, just being honest. And I think what a really funny story I have is when I was working for the Pistons and we were playing the Dallas Mavericks and I went into the locker room and there was a guy standing at a table full of fruit and he was just in jeans and a t-shirt and I didn't see his face or anything and he had like a big plate of pineapple and I was like wow that's a huge plate of pineapple and then Mark Cuban turned around and looked at me I knew that's where I was going oh I'm so jealous my face got so red and I was like I honestly, I just froze up and I definitely, you know, working in sports, you don't get starstruck often. And that's something you really like, you have to be professional about because you're around such high profile people all the time. And I was so embarrassed and my entire staff found out about it from their PR person who like was behind watching me say that. And they both just started cracking up and it was funny though. We had a good conversation after and Yes, that's definitely the most memorable moment of my life. So I think, you know, if I ever see him again, I'll probably bring that up. But yeah, I know now (laughs) I want to get Mark Cuban on the show. We'll just offer him a plate of pineapple, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome story, though. I'm sure that's why you wanted to be in this industry is is being with the uh, the big bowlers there. So (laughs) thank you. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's definitely awesome, but it's, just a great industry if you want to get into it and it's not you know it's different every day and that's what i love about it well we wish you the best of luck finishing up your senior year uh we know you're gonna absolutely kill it and we can't wait to watch where you go oh thank you so much thanks for having me on guys the trend for me is obviously not taking no for an answer but no shit right like i mean everyone says don't take no for an answer it's obvious I like that she and and Bradley as well kind of are starting to show and come on and talk about 
what does that look like to not take no for an answer? Does it mean, you know, reaching out 10 times? Does it like that consistency of reaching back out? I don't know. For me, that, that kind of hit home. Well, I mean, in Chrissy's case, it's even harder when she's in an industry that's mainly dominated by men on and off the field. So like for myself, it, it's kind of a soft spot, especially having a little sister and wanting to kind of impart those advices of resiliency and grit and determin- determination, regardless of kind of the the current situation you're facing. So hearing her story, especially from her perspective and seeing the fact that you're right, she's not taking that no for an answer and she's going out there even in the toughest of challenges and taking it for what it is, it's pretty awe-inspiring. So I think just homework, first thing, she mentioned this, if you're interested in sports, you wanna be in the industry and you wanna be relevant, go out, pick up Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog, learn the verbiage, learn the jargon, make yourself relevant to the people that are interested in that field. Following up to that, maybe if you're not in the sports industry, pick up some media that is related to your industry, whether it be a podcast, a book. But like he said, you know, that relevance to a later conversation, that relevance to a future situation that might be a pivotal moment to you breaking into that industry or not is going to be a lot easier when you know about it. So that's that's the homework for today. Uh, Also, this is Rashav and I's first podcast recording in two different area codes two different states rashav is in chicago i'm in washington dc technology is not an issue uh thank god we live now and not in the 1900s <laughs> yeah i don't know how they did it back then but if you guys are in the area in chicago definitely feel free to hit me up um we'll get lost together now if you have any ideas or topics that you want to hear from us or if you want someone from a specific company to talk about their processes please email us at prackpassion, P-R-A-C, passion, at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media channels, Practically Passionate on Instagram, along with Prack Passion on Twitter. Thanks for listening in. This is Alex. And this is Rashad.